Good morning, DC family. Welcome back to another edition of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. As always, this podcast is brought to you by DMV Sports Network, your number one source for local, professional, and collegiate sports in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. You can follow our account on Twitter at DMV underscore SN in all all caps, as well as our podcast account at WGOP underscore podcast. As always, I'm your host, Frank, and I'm with Brendan. We are pleased to be joined today by a special guest, Domo. Uh, Domo, thanks for joining. What's the proper way to introduce you? Is it leader of Wizards Twitter or popular uh, Wizards Twitter influencer? Well, what's what's the right title there? Uh, I'm, I, I just talk my stuff, man. I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm... Uh... I don't know. I guess I'm uh, the, the 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 auto bashing uh, <laughs> auto analytics auto bash Twitter. That's it. There you go. That's the one right there. <laughs> so yeah, basically when Brennan and I left off our last episode, uh, it was before the three game home stretch, and we were a little bullish on the Wizards' prospects of winning their next three games. But uh, I did say two and one. He Brennan did call it. They, uh, they did go two and one. The Wizards beat the Spurs and the Charlotte Hornets in fairly convincing fashion before dropping the final home game against the Sacramento Kings last night. So now where things stand, the Wizards are 5-9, and nine, surprisingly just one game out of the eight spot behind the Magic in the Eastern Conference. Excuse me, half a game. Half a game behind the Magic. Wow, really? Did they lose, I guess? Wow. Yeah, they're, so the Magic have six wins, and the Wizards obviously have five, but uh, the loss column is the same for both teams. Huh, so, I figured um, they'd be a game and a half out. Wow. So I guess just, uh, Domo, you can start us off here. If you had to describe the Wizards so far, um, and Brent and I have obviously talked about this, if you have to describe the Wizards so far in one word um, after their 5-9 and nine start, what would it be? Ooh, fun as hell, man. Just fun. Fun. Um, they share the ball so well. They, they actually seem like they like each other. Um. Yeah, just fun, man. They get up and down. They they push the pace. At least when Ish Smith is in the game, right? Um. Yeah. So they they fun to watch, man. Fun. Yeah. And Brennan, would you would you say the same? Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty fair. One of the things from last year is, you know, they may have had a talented group on paper, but they just weren't a fun team to watch. It was, uh, you know, you couldn't really just quite define what the team was and this year I mean the thing that they have going for them is they just have a lot of young guys that are hungry and the biggest thing for me that has made the season so enjoyable so far is just like we've seen Bradley Beal take that next step that um, you know I partly was confident in him doing the other part of me was not 100% there but he's shown that he can be the guy on a team and on any team and uh, so I mean that's been one of the biggest things I've been happy to see but I mean yeah they're a really fun team all around um, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on the things that, or rather the thing that they're not good at, but, um, Scott Brooks has got him playing some good offense. Give him, you know, credit where it's due. He put together a fun team. So yeah, I think fun's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as I mentioned, obviously this is looking way down the line, but they are only a half game out of the eighth seed and almost everyone in the media and most casual fans, the expectations for the Wizards this year were very low and they were pegged as, one of the uh, basement dwellers um, around mm-hmm. the league and specifically in the Eastern Conference. But just based on what we've seen so far, is it crazy to think that this team could potentially challenge for the eighth seed or seventh seed and maybe sneak into the playoffs? Uh, Domo, you want to start here? Yeah, I mean, for me, I would say it's not crazy at all. In fact, that's kind of what I predicted because I had them at about 38 wins. And I felt like not because they would be a great team, but just because the East didn't have any – abundance of teams that I felt like were were really better than the Wizards, even on a talent standpoint. Right. I was like, why why couldn't they win 38? I mean, why couldn't they get 38 wins? I mean, I looked at that Hornets team last year with what Kimba had to work with. I mean, you got Michael Kill Goodcrest shooting like he got a cast on, you know, and they, they managed to put out pull out 40 wins. So why couldn't the Wizards? I mean, I, I, you know, so for yeah. as far as what we're doing right now, it's, I mean – I didn't think they would be this fun doing it, but right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I still definitely think that they compete for a playoff spot, and I do think that whether it's, you know, uh, six, seven, eight, or whatever, you know, I think that they'll be there. Um, and, and depending on if John Wall comes back, and we know that Ted said in that interview that he doesn't expect him to be back, but we know how John Wall is, and he wants to be back from um, – you know, injury when he can. I mean, you're talking about adding him back into the mix, and we've seen this before. Like, it's not really a concern when you throw John Wall back to the mix for the playoffs because he came back, you know, I, I talked a little bit on that last episode um, against that Raptors in that playoff series, and he averaged, like, what, 27 and, uh, like you know, 11. however mm-hmm. yeah, however many assists that was. So I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. And now Wall has shooters to work with. So, um, you know, not to jump too far ahead and all that, but I think that even with that wall that the team is still going to be, you know, competing for a playoff spot. Yeah, that's a good point. And I was, I was having this conversation with, my, with uh, one of my buddies the other day is, you know, as a fan, would you rather see the Wizards sneak into the eighth seed and – or and potentially, I mean, most likely they wouldn't, wouldn't knock off the Bucks or the Celtics or whoever's the one seed in a seven-game series, but – would you rather see them sneak into the playoffs or would you rather see them challenge for the number one pick? Because I think this is a big conversation that um, that Wizards fans have had this year is the conversation around, you know, is it worth competing for a playoff spot when you maybe don't have a great chance of winning a playoff series? Or is it more beneficial to get a higher draft pick? Uh, Domo, what's your stance on, on this argument? So a couple things on that. Um, I, w- I will never encourage losing on purpose or, or saying that making the playoffs is bad. Um, and then two, it, 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 it kind of, I can understand it if it's a particular draft that has like a transcendent player. Like if you, you if it's an Anthony Davis sitting at the top of the draft or Kevin Durant, that type of talent, I, I, I'll entertain it. But this draft coming up to me, I don't see that player. I see a bunch of guys. I see guys that are have the, the potential to be good players, but I don't see a transcendent player in my in my eyes that you're like, okay, we gotta we gotta tank to get this guy or missing the playoffs would be better for these young guys making the playoffs. And then two, I mean, let's be real, Ernie Grunfeld is not here no more. And to me, if you're a good GM, you don't need a top five pick, top three pick to get productive players. You just don't. Yep. So, you know, that's, that's the way I look at it. Whether they make the, if they make the playoffs, great, because that's going to build confidence for your young guys and that culture you're trying to build. And right. then you get that, you know, say it's the 18th pick or something. I don't know. You take that pick and you get a quality guy that you can throw into your rotation. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm definitely pro-win. I the thing again that's different from this season and maybe seasons past, and you know, with you're going to be without John Wall going into the season. I mean, every realistic, you know, um, you know, not too not too optimistic fan had literally no expectations for the season other than to see improvement and you know see the young guys play and um, you know progress their games throughout the season. They've shown now that, you know, obviously they can be one of those teams that competes for a playoff spot. And so if you can win and be young while doing it and, you know, kind of set the stage a little bit for when your point guard comes back, I mean, why not do it? I mean, this team for so long and even with Wallenby on the team, I mean, a lot of people would have considered them, you know, a laughing stock of the NBA. And, you know, a lot of that due to Ernie Grunfeld, um, you know, some of that due to the coaching, but if they can show that they can win without John Wall and then adding John Wall back into the mix, I mean, why not? You know, and again, and it's not like there's some Kevin Durant player out there. And I mean, you know, we never know that for sure, right? Like it's fair to let everyone play. But I mean, you look at the positions at the that are going to be, you know, top of this draft. I mean, you're talking about what right now, like center and shooting guard? Like the Wizards just don't need that. No, so um, A lot of point guards too. Yeah, I mean, again, don't need it. So, um, yeah, um, I hope that they keep winning. I mean, I want to see them back in the playoffs. I'm tired of watching every team every year and, you know, not seeing us in it. So, And who doesn't like John Wall and Bradley Beal in the playoffs? So, um, yeah, I want them to win. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and I think it's just a lot. It's really easy for casual fans to say, oh, yeah, we're going to be bad anyways. Let's just lose on purpose and get a high draft pick, get a James Wiseman or a Cole Anthony or somebody like that. Yeah. But it's you got to remember the players; they want to win. This is a young, 
scrappy group. And the objective of the game is to win when it boils down to it. And these guys are playing hard. And it's it's not fair to just expect them to lose on purpose. Like, that's not going to happen, like you said, Domo. And even if you don't get a top five pick or whatever, you can still get a solid player in that 8 to 12 range or somewhere like that, like the Wizards did with Rui Hachimura, who is presumed to be a long-term contributor. Um, speaking of him, Domo, what have you seen from Rui so far this season that's encouraged you about uh, his long-term prospects? Yeah, I, I got to say, and I, and I say this as somebody who was mad as hell when uh, Reddish was on the board and we took him. Um, right. I, I When I went and watched the film of him after the draft, and I mm. was like, you know, I'm looking at Gonzaga, his, his Gonzaga tape, I'm like, I just don't see it. He looked like a role player to me. And then I watched him and his FIBA play. Well, you know, it's a more open game and it's, it's more tailored to what he would be doing in the pros. I'm like, okay, this looks like a this looks like a top 10 pick to me. So then, of course, you know, seeing him in summer league and then see him, seeing him now, it's like, yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. It's like he already has an a NBA-ready mid-range game. I would like to see him be more aggressive with it, and I would like to see Brooks draw up some more looks for him, especially with – you know the perimeter shooting you have. You can, you can put Rui down on that block and just let him own that area, that mid high post and in the paint area, and that little fifteen footer he has. I mean, it's it's automatic. So, but yeah, I, I've been impressed. His defense has been better than what was advertised as well. Um, he just looks like one of those dudes that just they just naturally just have it. Like they just. You yeah. tell them one time and they and they they implement it or you 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 know you just put them out there and they just kind of know the right things to do. He's like the opposite of of like a I don't even know. Uh he's a quick learner. Yeah, he's 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 a quick learner, man. He just has that that feel. Otto is just, not a quick put him learner. In there. Yeah, Otto's like like I feel, Yeah, like I feel like like Otto is a type of player. He's got to work 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 repetition, repetition, where it's like, Rui, you just, just throw him out there. Because, I mean, for him to go from where well, he started playing at age 13, not really in no AAU system, really, and then, you know, he's in the league seven years later, uh, that, that's kind of crazy. So, And you yeah. don't see that from a lot of young players, the ability to just learn quickly and not repeat mistakes. But like you said, that's definitely something that uh, he's shown a knack for. Uh, Brennan, you and I have talked about Rui a good amount so far, but uh, – over the past few games, have is there anything else that you've seen from him? No, just real quick on the comparison for uh, Wizards fans out there. I guess another person you could compare in terms of learning, um, you know, the opposite, I guess, another one could be Kelly Oubre because Kelly Oubre, uh, you know, had his struggles when he first came into the league as well with, uh, you know, just kind of getting acclimated to things. But, um, yeah, yeah and he's been good. Um, you know, I'm a nitpicker, so with – Things I would say that I don't like that he does is he jumps at every pump fake. I could go out there right now and, you know, mm. put up a pump fake and he'd probably jump for it and I'd be at the line shooting too. And I mean, so that's one of the things that um, he's got to fix. Um, his defense is a little bit better. I am so impressed. For, you know this as well. I'm a guy who – I like guys who can get shots. I like guys who are shot creators um, that go out there and get a bucket. And he really can go out there and get a bucket. You know, so Brooks has had a little bit of a hard time trying to find him minutes, uh, particularly late in games, just because he wants Bertans in there. And I'm um, just with the certain lineups he's throwing out there. I mean, there's just no room for an extra forward out there. Quite frankly, handle isn't quite there yet. And the perimeter defense is maybe a little bit skeptical in, in terms of guarding, you know, threes full time and, um, you know, all that. But, um, his, yeah, his, his mid range ability, his, um, you know, way he can, you know, take those. One, two, bounce, pull-up shots. Um, he's very good with those, and his set shot is improving. Um, it needs a ton of work. His shot is, you know, it's really flat. I, I don't think that's a secret to anyone, and sometimes it works yeah. for guys, but I think he's a guy that's going to benefit from um, getting a little bit of arc on that jumper. But, yeah, I, I've been really impressed. I just mm -hmm. wish he'd get more minutes. <laughs> It'd be a lot easier to, you know, actually do that if Bertans wasn't playing so good, and I'm sure we'll touch on the bench and, um, you know, him and all that, but um, I'd like to see him get more minutes. I don't know how you're going to fit that in, but um, and maybe we can bring that up. But um, yeah, I mean that's yeah. a good point you made. He's only, at, I mean, his minutes on the surface for the season around twenty six point eight seems like a high mark, but 
over the past few games, I mean, his minutes have kind of fluctuated. He's, he's in the mid-20s, low-20s. Um, last night against the Kings, if I'm not mistaken, I don't recall him playing the entire fourth quarter, and if he did... Nope. Nope. Yeah, it was no, very no. early, and he really didn't play that much in the third quarter either with uh, Scott Brooks opting to go with the Ishmith-Isaiah Thomas lineup, which did uh, not wrap oh, my head around. Oh, but before we get into that, it's circling back to Rui... Is it fair? I mean, would you like to see him play upwards of 30 minutes a game, or do you feel like it's just a growing experience and he can take, he's getting all the minutes he can handle, or, or where, where do you stand on that, uh, Domo? Yeah, I, I see, I think it's – I don't necessarily pay so much attention to minutes. I just look at situational basketball. Like, case in point, yeah. last yeah. night, you opt to play a Ishmith Isaiah backcourt, and that, to me, was just foolish – like, I felt like they could have went Rui there because I like seeing that pair, that Rui Bertans pit forward pair. Because I think that when I last looked at the numbers, that's actually one of their best lineups. When those two are in the game at the three and the four, and you got Wagner, uh, Mo Wagner, and uh, Ish and Beal. So, you, I don't know why Books hasn't realized this yet, but um, yeah, and especially with. Bertans was showing more playmaking and handled than I know probably a lot of people thought he had. He's going to camp out on the wing anyway. And then if you got Wagner in, in the game, he's going to camp out on the wing to shoot the three. That's plenty of opportunity for Rui to take advantage of mismatches, especially yeah. when you're trying to close a game and you need easy buckets. Like Rui against a smaller three-man or two-guard, if you get the switch, that's, that's an easy bucket for him. And I just don't think Brooks has figured it out yet, but hopefully that'll change. Uh, Brendan, any, any thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I'm more of a situational guy myself. I'm not like, oh, well, this person has to get X amount of minutes every night because we've seen now, I mean, um, even with a guy like Thomas Bryant this year, who you both know that um, I was a big fan of. He was priority number one going into the offseason. And you said going into the year, like, you know, yeah, he's probably going to be a, a 30-minute, you know, 28, 29-minute type guy. And he is not getting that this year, I don't think anyway. Uh, maybe he is. I don't know. But and certainly, I mean, in terms of playing in the fourth quarter, like you would expect him to be a closer. And he hasn't been that guy. And because Wagner has showed that, you know, um, he has a playmaking ability. His defense is probably a little bit better than Bryant's at this point. So he warrants, you know, playing, um, you know, late game. And I think that Bryant did close the game, I think, against the uh, Hornets, I think. But um, for the most part, I mean, I think it's pretty much been Wagner. So, yeah, I'm definitely more of a situational guy. And, you know, um, like he was saying, you know, you have Wagner out there, you have Bertans, and you have Rui down there to eat in the post. You know, whether he's developed enough to, you know, where to know where rotations are and kick the ball out quickly. I mean, we wouldn't know because we haven't really seen that. But, I mean, it's definitely worth something trying out. I mean, it's not like these guys don't play in practice. It's not like you don't have a whole summer to look over these guys to see what they can do. You know, I mean, it's, it's not like you're just learning what they can do now. Like, you've had all summer to game plan for this. So, I mean, it should definitely be something that they try at some point. And I'm sure they will. You know, they experimented that awful – small guard lineup last night for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, I, I think Brooks will do it eventually. He's just trying to figure out what they works with who right now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's a game flow thing as far as where you're going to put players and if they're going to be on the court or not. But for me, with a guy like Rui, I, I want to see him out there in the fourth quarter in late-game situations. That experience is only going to help him grow. So hopefully Brooks develops more consistency with his role and whatnot. But, um Circling back to the uh, Isaiah Thomas Ish Smith thing, the point guard to point guard position has been a topic of discussion for Wizards fans this season. Um, it's performance has been up and down to say the least, maybe more so down recently since entering the starting lineup. Uh, whereas Ish Smith has kind of surprised a lot of people, including myself, with um, his pace of play and his aggressive, surprising defense. Um, Not me. <laughs> Uh, Domo, do you think IT or Ishmith should be starting a point guard? And which player um, do you think gives them the best chance to win? And is the idea of them playing together at the same time crazy? Which I imagine I already know your answer to that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, 
But I came into the the Ish Smith signing kind of with an open mind, but I I understood where where uh, Shep was going with that because you you got a guy that's kind of like he's like a poor 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 man's John Wall, where far as pushing the pace, he's up and down all over the place, and he competes defensively, and he's he's a he's a good passer, like he's a real point guard. He he gets into that lane and he's probing and probing and probing. like he's like a little jitterbug. Um, right. so. You know that that helps when you got a bunch of snipers out there that can just just fire away, catch and shoot, get it in their pocket, and it's up there. And then you got a rim runner with like Thomas Bryant. Um, is I would like to see him start. I looking at the lineups now, their top four lineups all have Ish Smith as point guard. I mean, there's they're really out of the when I was looking at it out of like the seven lineups that include Isaiah Thomas, only two of them. Are 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 they outscoring opponents? All the rest of them, they getting outscored by a lot, um, because he just makes it harder for everybody, especially your young guys who haven't quite figured out communicating on defense and switches and all the things that go into, especially playing zone. You got Isaiah Thomas; he he's getting beat every time. If I'm an NBA player and I see a five nine Isaiah Thomas in front of me, I'm going to try to get a bucket every time. So. Yeah. Him being out there hurts your defense too much, and I would rather see him against second-unit point guards who may not have that offensive repertoire to take advantage of his small stature versus him trying to go up against, you know, 6'3", 6'4", starting NBA point guards. And it's just, it's just it's, it's an accident waiting to happen every time down. So hopefully – I. I and I said this before, it just seemed like there's some politics involved with that. Like, it's, I feel like they guaranteed him a starting spot right. in that kind of redemption story, which is why he signed here. But it's at the detriment of the team at this point because they start games and they, like, immediately go down eight, nine, ten points. And then the bench comes in, they get the lead back, and then you put Isaiah back in, you lose the lead again, and then you close out with Isaiah sitting on the bench. And sometimes they don't have it. So they gotta fix it. They got they got they gotta fix it. So hopefully they do. But we'll see. Yeah, I touched on it several times. I would rather see Ish uh go back as the starting point guard. And um, you know, a little bit like you just said, and I've said it several times now, however many times we've touched on the whole Isaiah Thomas thing. I don't think that he would have signed here if we didn't guarantee in some capacity that he would be the starter. Um, you know, especially given the fact that he took a vet, a, you know, a vet men contract. I mean, I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, he signed here. And, and I don't think that Isaiah is going to be worth any more than that. I, I mean, really anywhere else. I mean, maybe I don't know. But, um, you know, what he's worth right now and what he's shown teams is that he's probably worth a vet minimum. But you look at all the situations around the NBA where he could have signed for. Why did he sign with the Wizards? Because there's opportunity to be had this year because John Wall's not going to be coming back. And yeah, they signed Ish Smith, but I think it's fair to say that before coming into the season that Ish and IT, if you were to tell me which one I'd rather have, I, mean, I don't think I really would have cared. Because to me, they're kind of like that same tier. But we have enough of a sample size now to, like you said, it's hurting the team when he's out there. I've even said right now, like, I would, if you can get some, something for him, then I would do it and, like, play Justin Robinson or something because I would rather see that. The, the only thing Isaiah brings to the table right now is scoring. And, and let's be honest, do the Wizards really need scoring? No, they don't. No. So, <laughs> no, not at all. It's like, they, would, they would still be a good offensive team without him playing or with him playing in a minimal role, I feel like. Right. Yeah, and, and he doesn't. He doesn't push the pace at all. Like he, when I watch him, he looks like an old guy out there coming off an injury. Like he looks like that. Like he just slow pace. Yeah. Everything is kind of casual. He can't beat anybody off the dribble. Like I, I don't think I've seen him beat a guy off the dribble yet. Um, so everything with him is a jump shot or or that stupid ass one legged floater he's doing now. Um, but it's nothing. It's nothing getting by his man. And defensively, I mean, it is what it is. So I, I would like if we could get, like you said, a second or something or anything for him. Take it and run. Trade, I would take it and run. Wouldn't look back. Also, like his body language, like you kind of mentioned, his body language is just way off. Like last night, I was at the game watching him in person, and he just kind of he moves very methodical, and he just doesn't really play with that much effort. And even before the game, which was kind of weird, they were. Uh, introducing the starting lineups 
and he was not sitting on the bench. He was off to the side, standing on the side of the court by himself, and then he came into the huddle, which I don't know what that was about. That was kind of weird, but it feels like IT at this point in his career is he's best used in small spurts where you can best utilize his scoring ability. Um, but in terms of being a starter, he just there's more cons than pros, I think. But, Brennan, what you kind of touched on was if you can get something for him, you know, trade him before the deadline. But based on what you've seen thus far, what do you think a reasonable return would be for IT? Because a lot of people, you know, speculated, oh, you, maybe you could get a first-round pick for him, but maybe that's not the case anymore. Where, where do you guys stand on that? Uh, no, he's definitely not worth a, a first round at this point. But the, the problem with Isaiah, and, and I, in all fairness, I don't think that anyone, including Scott Brooks, knew what the identity was going to be. I don't think he knew that the offense was going to be this good. And again, I mean, you know, that's not a knock on him. I don't think anyone, you know, figured that the Wizards would be this good offensively. But Isaiah is a half-court score that has lost his ability because of that hip. So now not only is he dealing with an injury that's taking away from his game, but the system is also not really a fit for him because, you know, yeah, he's been an okay distributor, but he's not a guy that's going to run up and down the floor and, you know, do all the other things that everyone else seems to be doing. Like, again, he does not push the pace. So not only now, like I said, um, you know, is his talent gone, but the system isn't built for him really to succeed. So I think that maybe if he were to go somewhere else, and I'm not saying, you know, trade him tomorrow because, you know, I think you want to try and evaluate a little bit more and, um, you know, see if, you know, you know, just try and build up his trade value a little bit and whatnot. But, um, I mean, I would definitely look to move on from him at some point. And it's not really too much of, um, you know, I don't mean to bash him because, you know, what he's been through and, you know, his heart and his character and all that, I mean, uh, unquestionable. Same thing with John Wall, right? Like, unquestionable. But um, it's just at the point, like, if the Wizards are going to be competing and he's literally one of the only things holding them back now, I mean, other people have got to realize that, too. It can't be just us, you know? All right. Yeah, no way. No way. I know they're looking at the, the numbers. They got to be. They got to be. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it sucks to sit here and, like, just harp on the guy because of what you mentioned, Brennan, everything he's been through in his underdog story. Like, it's impossible not to root for him. But, you know, as fans, we have to be objective about whether or not he's helping or hurting the team. But uh, if he was, like you guys mentioned, really guaranteed a starting spot or at least guaranteed a sizable role, let's say that Scott Brooks suddenly decided to just pull him from the rotation and opt for a younger guy like a Justin Robinson or Ernie Zakbanga. Like, do you think that would disrupt the locker room or any of the chemistry or, or how do you think that would settle with IT and also the guys around him? I think the only way it would bother the locker room is if it bothered him. And that's just kind of where I'll leave that because I don't think it would bother anyone else. I mean, Admiral Schofield is a guy that I've wanted to see get some minutes. Um, you know, Bongo was not bad at all when he was playing. Um, you know, you want to see what you have in Justin Robinson. Uh, Chioza had some nice minutes. I like Chioza a lot. So, um, and you know, Garrison Matthews, again, a, a shooter that could really, really help this team and I think is still going to help the team down the line. I mean, again, there's, there's plenty of guys that could get minutes and I don't think you're going to lose anything. And if anything, you may gain something from it. Yeah, yeah, I think I like Chioza a lot when he was playing early. Like he's a he's a point guard's point guard. He's gonna yeah. probe the lane, find shooters, and I think the Wizards could benefit from that skill set more than what IT is giving him. And don't get me wrong, like I said, like we said before, like I, I root for IT. He's a great story. Sure, he's an even better person, but just his fit on this team, they don't really need the guy coming in slowing up the pace methodical, casual with everything he does. It's, 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 not, it's not beneficial. Like, I could see a team like maybe like the Magic, one of those teams that, that struggles to score in the half court. Maybe they would take him. But for the Wizards, you, you don't. His skill set is really a hindrance at this point. So, yep. Yeah, another player I wanted to touch on is uh, Troy Brown Jr., who I personally had pretty high hopes for entering the season. He's basically entrenched as the team starting small, starting small forward, or at least has been for the past uh, two weeks or so. But it feels like he's kind of been up and down, or mostly down, honestly. Like his role on the team is is a little is a little questionable. It, it seems like Brooks doesn't really know how to deploy him, and when he's out there recently, he hasn't really been making all that big of an impact. Um, do you guys think that this is more of this can be attributed more to Brown himself just not doing enough on the court, or is this Brooks not really knowing how to utilize him when he's out there? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's two things. I think one, he's only twenty, and then two, he I don't think he's being used right. I I feel like he's a point guard, and you keep trying to force him into being a wing, a catch and shoot wing. That's not his game. It's just not like he's one of those guys. He's like a rhythm player. He's got a head of ball in his hand. He probably is one of those guys that when he makes a good pass. It, it makes him play better defense. Or when he makes a, you know, he gets a tough rebound or a steal, it makes him shoot the ball better. Like, he's one of those type rhythm players to me where if you're playing him at small forward where he kind of just waiting, catching, shooting, setting screens, like, that's not really his game. And he's come out and say he's a point guard. I know I've heard Wall refer to him as a, a player that's like Sato, who is another guy tall, wants to play point guard. So, I think until you put him at his spot that he's most comfortable, you're going to see these kind of growing pains and ups and downs with his game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say, though, and Frankie may remember when I said this, but I was actually rather impressed with uh, Troy Brown's spot shooting a little bit, you know, early on when he was getting those minutes because it seemed like he wasn't missing a whole lot. I think his jump shot has um, improved, but he does, you know, need the ball a little bit more in his hands, but pretty much his role right now is kind of what Bonga's role was when, you know, they were starting him. He would start the half, um, you know, start the game, start the second half, and then he'd come out and you really wouldn't see a whole lot of him um, for the rest of the game. And we all know that Troy Brown is way better than Bonga and provides, you know, he's more versatile and all that. So he should definitely be getting um, more minutes. And I guess this is really another guy who Bertans is just, you know, um, too good of a shooter, you know, he's just stealing his minutes, but, um, you know, again, Brooks has got to find a way to uh, get these guys involved, like, instead of that, you know, IT-ish thing last night, if you wanted a shot creator in there, like, and I know you don't want to take Ish out, but if you really wanted IT in there for uh, spot shooting, why not put Troy Brown in there, you know, instead of Ish Smith, or, um, you know, Troy Brown, I think, has still been a good enough shooter to where you can, you know, put him in there instead of Isaiah Thomas, I mean, again, the Wizards can score the ball without Isaiah Thomas, so, what Brooks keeps trying to do, um, and, you know, we talk about the mismanaging of players, um, you know, the rotation and all that to an extent. I mean, it's all justified. So um, I'm not pinning this all on Troy Brown. Um, but, you know, he certainly, I, and I tweeted last night, you know, he didn't have the best start in the world to the game last night. But then it's your job as a coach to, you know, this is a guy you want to use as a building block for your team. At least I hope you do. I mean, you know, you got to find a way to get this guy involved and get him going. Yeah, it just feels like too often he's just kind of floating, floating around the perimeter, and he's just out there, but mm-hmm. you don't really even notice he's out there sometimes because he's not yeah. doing much to impact the game. But I think, Domo, I think you put it great that he's a rhythm player, and once he gets to, into a groove and shots start falling or he's making good passes, that the rest of his game just kind of flows um, from there on out. But he still helps the team defensively and rebounding at the very least. Um, but last night, someone like Jordan McRae, kind of cut into his minutes and you could see towards the end of the game right. McRae was down was at the small forward spot he was playing the majority of minutes late into the third and into the fourth um but yeah I know well I guess we'll see uh how Troy Brown's role evolves as the season goes on but I'm not I guess we're we are all not very concerned um about what we've seen from him personally and we'll just see what happens um but I touched on McRae a little he's part of a quote-unquote bench mob unit for the Wizards that has been extremely productive this season, and I think it's caught a lot of people by surprise. The likes of Ish Smith and uh, Davis Bertans and Mo Wagner, those guys are fueling what is one of the league's most productive bench units um, in the NBA so far this season. Uh, Domo, do you think that this performance from the Wizards bench players is sustainable, and and when it's all said and done, do you think they'll wind up having the most one of the more uh, productive benches in the league as the season goes on? Yeah, I think it's very sustainable um, because it's how they play. I heard one of the assistant coaches yesterday uh, talking, and he said, pace and space. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my, my eyes lit up when I heard that. I was like, oh, pace and space? What? The? Oh, my goodness. Like, they really right. are embracing the, the analytics in, in, in new millennia basketball. Like, we're not playing – Nene and Gortat in the post no more. Like, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's, it was music to my ears. So I think, you know, the way the bench, the way they play their philosophy, a lot of, a lot of uh, movement and motion and passes, I think it's going to bode well with, with any unit they got in there because of how they're playing. So especially when you got shooters 
I love McCray at at the small forward. I had been screaming for that in the offseason because his game kind of reminds me of Will Barton. Like that that long six five but seven foot wingspan yeah, with some comp. scoring instincts. So I feel like you could, the Nuggets player play Barton in small forward. Why could play a small forward? And I just think he that's that spot for him is more natural than I think it is for Troy Brown because he can he can he can he can spot shoot it. He can put it on the floor and do it off the dribble and do average. I think game in, in the G League like he, scoring has always been easy for him. Because of his length, he can actually guard that position. So, you know, I, I would, I, I think they could. The bench production can can definitely sustain, um, definitely off the backs of somebody like McCray and or for sure Bertans and, and Mo Wagner. He's just been amazing. So, yeah, I think the bench play um, will keep up when you have so many shooters like that. And again, it's not like they're all just shooters; like they all can create a little bit, right? Like. Bogner's got something that, you know, he can he can do some stuff off the dribble. Um, you know, he can put it in the post. Bertans can put it on the floor a little bit. McCray, like you said, can uh, pretty much do it all. Ish is good at, you know, keeping the pace up and, uh, you know, getting guys involved and open shots and all that. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that they can keep it up. I like the bench unit. It's probably the best bench that – well, it definitely is the best bench that we've had in the John Wall era. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty pleased with it. I like it. I think that they can uh, – you know, stay top of the NBA in terms of uh, scoring, you know, bench points. But, uh, you know, defensively, we'll, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, because it, it needs to be talked about. Yeah, so, uh, Domo, one thing that Brent and I have really talked about almost every podcast, or at least talked about a little, is uh, Scott Brooks. And I know we talked about Brooks a little, but uh, Brent and I are not the, the biggest fans of Scott Brooks. Uh, where do you stand on Brooks as a coach and his fit with this team and his, not just that, but his future in uh, D.C.? Uh, hmm. See, I have a I have a love hate relationship with Scott Brooks because I don't want to I don't want to harp on him for all of the negative because he does deserve credit for some things. Like I I feel like the relationship he has with Wall and Beal, I think that he gets a lot of he should get a lot of credit for that. Honestly, I think you got to give him credit for the offense this year. I think he. Yeah. Even though it was probably forced upon him with Ted and bringing all the changes with the analytics and stuff, you know, it forced him to make the change. And he was trying to do it before when he was having guys doing the three point in, uh, the taking the three point uh, emphasis on the three point shooting and things last year. But you just had a team that didn't care. But I, he gets some credit for me, but I just think he's not going to be the coach that ultimately is going to get you over the hump. So I'm kind of like, uh, we kind of just—I don't want to say wasting our time with him, but is I'm just kind of like I'm waiting for the for the end at some point because I just don't see him as the guy that's going to put you over the hump. He he to me is kind of the you know he's the he's the Mark Jackson to the Warriors, and I'm kind of like all right, when are we going to get our Steve Kerr? Right. So right. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, you know, I think right now, and I'm not saying, you know, you have to fire him, you know, directly after this year, because you obviously want to see how things play out. But, you know, if you do choose to move on from him, you know, a coach that's coming in is going to have a decent sample size. You know, those stats about the offense, you know, assuming they keep up, you know, aren't going to go away. It's not like a new guy's going to come in here and look at what they were doing offensively and see how successful they were with Bradley Beal and some guys and say, oh, wow, like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to go on to something else. So, I mean, it's a good stepping stone for a new guy to come in. But, um, And I understand that teams are going to score more points um, when you're playing a faster-paced game. Like, that's just how it's going to be. But just some of the things they do defensively is just inexcusable. Um, the late rotations, you know, the not closing out. Like, we can say, you know, some of the stuff is players. But, I mean, when every team has done it, every season you've been coaching this team, it's a you problem to me. And so, like you said, I'm not 100% sure that, you know, he's the guy going forward. And I was saying, um, you know, Frank, you remember I was saying uh, on the preseason pod that I wasn't, you know, against him getting some sort of extension if it's warranted. You know, it's not like I already am like, you know, uh, now we've already seen enough. Like, I just want him out. Like, this is a brand new team, new players, you know, uh kind of a restart to the franchise, if you will, a little bit. Like, I was going to try and give him the benefit of the doubt, but um, 
what we've seen so far from him, I don't think that you can necessarily say that he's done a great job. Like, yeah, you have to give him credit for the offense, but um, I mean, let's be real. If you take two guys out, like say you take Bertans out and say you take, um, I don't know, like Ish Smith out of the picture, like how deadly offensively is this team really going to be? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not like yeah. it's, just Bradley Beal out there doing all this stuff. Like, it's everyone contributing. But if you take one or two of, you know, these guys that have been really important, like, you know, what are you looking at? And I definitely don't think it's the number one offense. So, again, yeah, I give him credit, I guess, for putting them in the right position. I give Shepard credit for uh, putting the team together. But um, I want to see some things pick up defensively before I'm ready to, you know, say, yeah, he's going to be the right guy for us going forward and, you know saying that he should be kept or anything like that. Because right now, if you've put a gun to my head, I'm still saying I want him gone after this year. So that's where I kind of stand with that. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead, like, off the top of your guy's head, is there any potential coaching candidates that come to mind that you think would fit better with this team, like a, like a David Fisdale or a, a Dave Yorger or something like that? Domo, any, anyone that uh, pops up for you? Anybody off the Spurs bench, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like anybody. that. Anybody. <laughs> well, um, Udoka is an assistant in uh, Philadelphia now, so maybe he'd be one that'd be willing to, uh, you know, move. So Udoka's one to look out for. Yeah, and but, would um, you guys prefer like an outside hire or maybe yes. you know, someone from within? Um, I would say outside, like for me personally, unless I know people like, you know, Longabardi and stuff, I get it, but like he's not even the associate in the team now. Like, um, you know, we're talking if Brooks gets fired tomorrow, uh, Tony Brown's going to be the head coach, not long a party, you right. know? So, um, but some other names, uh, you know, Sam Cassell is a popular one. It would probably be my number one, um, Darvin Ham, who no one ever talks about, but has been under uh, coach Bud's mm-hmm. staff now for years. Um, yeah. I would really like him. Um, you know, we mentioned Udoka. That was one for me. Um, I like David Yeager, uh, but I guess someone was telling me that he had problems with players and stuff like that. So that's the reason he lost um, his job in Memphis and in Sacramento. Mm, yeah, I'm not I think 100% he had sure some, how accurate that is. I think he had some uh, disputes with like Buddy Heald uh, in Sacramento specifically. That comes to mind. But Well, I know he had oh, issues no with Mark Gasol. Oh, we don't want to be the Chicago Bulls, man. <laughs> See how that's going. <laughs> Oh, yeah, with uh, the whole Zach Levine thing. That's crazy. Yeah, we don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So. But, yeah, um, I mean, as much nice. as we, we harp on Scott Burks, I mean, it could be worse if you look around the league. Oh, yes. Definitely. I don't know. I have no idea why Boyle extended. Like, how dumb are you? Like, that's, that was so stupid. They could have just hired a new guy, and instead, because the franchise has no direction, they have management that is about to, you know, get tossed. At least you would hope. Um, you know, they went and extended a guy and, you know, wasted, you know, money on the staff budget for the next general manager and, you know, management that takes over. That was really dumb. Yeah, and they have some talented players too, but Boylan, from everything I've seen, he looks like just like a high school, like the way he manages his players, he looks like a high school basketball coach. Like pulling yeah. a player out for a defensive mistake, which really wasn't even that, that big of a deal, and then just disciplining him like that. That's old school stuff. But uh, as we talked about the Bulls a little, one thing I want to talk about before we shift into a preview of this upcoming road stretch is the Bulls obviously have two players, uh, two former Wizards, and Otto Porter and Tomas Sadoransky. Um, Looking around the league, uh, obviously there's been a lot of roster overhaul for the Wizards. If there's one player that's no longer on the roster that was on the roster last year that you wish the Wizards would have kept, whether it be a Porter or a Oubre, or someone like uh, Sadoransky or Jabari Parker, or somebody like that, either free agency or trade, uh, who's the one player you wish was still around? Uh, Brennan, we can start with you on this one. Wow, I think everyone's going to know my answer here, right? Like, I think it's pretty obvious, right? Like Jabari Parker, easily. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I, I know that Ubre is, you know, and let's all agree, the trade was dumb, right? The trade was really stupid. That's putting uh, they, it lightly. They thought that they were going to be able to win, um, bringing in a player that had played with Wall and Beal before, you know, could kind of uh, keep heads together. Um, You know, definitely, I think, 
See, I, I'm going to get some hate for this, but at the time, I mean, I, if you're talking about better player overall, like age aside, I, I still would have taken Ariza. You know, you guys can shoot me down for it or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that Jabari Parker would still be my guy because, and Frank, you know this, I, I wanted him back, but, you know, seeing the replacements that he got, and I think I said this too, like last episode, like you're not really missing him a whole lot. Like if you're asking me if I'd rather have Bertans or Jabari Parker at this point, I mean, I guess I would take Bertans. But I guess if you're talking about like just the personnel and what we already have, I would say Ubre. But um, right. if you're, I mean, just if you're talking about like guys that I just genuinely miss, like no matter what, like I would say Jabari Parker. Mm. And he's balling out for the Hawks, by the way. Why we couldn't offer him that money, I have not a clue. Well, that went to Ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jabari turned into Ish, basically. Yep. Uh, Domo, what about you? Any one player that comes to mind? Um, so, so before the year started, it would my choice would obviously have been been Ubre. Um, but I'm gonna go a, a hindsight 2020 curveball here. If healthy, I would want Dwight Howard. Yeah, mm. interesting. Because when I look at what this team is missing. It's a rim protector, <laughs> and he's doing wonders for the Lakers' defense right now um, as a presence down there. And, man, if you, could have, if you could have him behind Thomas Bryant or possibly starting or, or just giving you some spot minutes when you need a stop, man, and a, and a rebound. Because that's the other thing, too. We'll get the stop, but then we don't get the rebound. Yeah. So I'm like, if he's healthy, I would love Dwight Howard on this team because you could have more Wagner playing the four. Oh my god! Um, and yeah, I, I, that's who, that's who I, it would be for what the team is looking like currently. I think the Dwight Howard skill set would be much more beneficial than say uh, Isaiah Thomas would. Yeah, it's a good point. I didn't even think about Dwight Howard. No, nope. I thought about neither. And he wasn't bad last year when he played for us either. Like, I thought he was pretty good. I think he probably could have been an all-star that year if he kept playing because yeah, I he thought should he was have been one. Really well. He should have been one with Charlotte. I mean, he was doing, what, 16 and 12? Like, two yeah. dots? Yeah. yeah. It's just like Charlotte was pretty bad that year, I think, and Dwight Howard's just got it developed like a bad reputation. Not a bad reputation, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But he gets yeah. an unfair rap at times, I think, because he still can contribute like we're seeing with the Lakers this year. Uh, it's just a matter of not asking him to do that, to do too much, and he's obviously not the same player he used to be. But uh, you can't post them up. You got to kind of use them like Thomas Bryant a little bit. How he's just like kind of a rim runner, um, you know. But he adds more defensively. I mean, that's kind of what you want to use him for. You know, not like the mid range and the three point or anything like that. But right, God, you know, just a guy <laughs> you can kind of like when Beal drives and dumps the ball, you know, off to Bryant and it's like, you know, an easy two. like that, that could be something that, you know, you can use Dwight Howard for like, just be down there, get some easy dunks, you know, um, maybe a post up, you know, turn around left-handed hook shot or whatever every now and then. But yeah, I didn't even think of that. Howard would be a pretty good one to have right now, considering the wizards don't have any big bodies inside lightweight. I still remember the videos, the off-season videos a few years back of Dwight Howard taking, like, step-back mid-rangers, and everyone was like, oh, my God, like, Dwight Howard's going to become, like, this knockdown shooter, which <laughs> obviously did not manifest, but... Uh, no, but not with the mechanics, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. He's better still than, stiff uh, of a player. Still better than Michael God, K. Gilchrist, though. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, the worst. that's one of the worst I've ever seen. That dude sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think Michael Jordan, every time I watch Bill play... For that pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving into the next four games or so, this is a pretty grueling stretch for the Wizards, at least on paper. They're heading out west, and they're playing the Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns, and then back-to-back -back against the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, just looking at it um, from what we've seen so far, are you guys confident that the Wizards could maybe steal a couple games on this road stretch? Or or how much do you think we're going to learn about this team playing against some top-end competition um, like they're about to go up against? You got this. I want to hear your takes first. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a lip, good litmus test. Um, I, I think – so, Lakers, I'm going to go ahead and put that as an L. But I know Bill going to show up, but that's going to probably be an L. The Clippers, 
is is that going to be one of Kawhi's low management games? Oh, it definitely is. It definitely is. Because if it is, I like our chances. And then uh, the Suns, I think you can. I think you can get the Suns, and then the Nuggets. I just think it's just hard to play in Denver. Period, man. That altitude, like that's different. Um, so yeah, if they can come off two and two, I think that would be hella impressive. Um, Give yeah, me a prediction. That's my prediction. Two and two. A two and two. Okay. So you think they're going to beat the Clippers and the Suns? Clippers with Kawhi low management game, and then uh, the Suns. Although I think Uber is going to go off. He is definitely going to go off. But it's going to be in the losing. Uh, you know, I tweeted last night and I said, you know, we're staring down the barrel of 0-4. Um, uh, I think I'm going to stick with that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think That's that Phoenix... reasonable, reasonable uh, I think. I... Yeah, I Phoenix has, you know, improved this year. And I know they're not some juggernaut, right? But um, I think that between all the tough games that the Wizards are already playing, that, uh, you know, the the Suns are a team that's good enough to take advantage of, you know, um, what's not really that great. If they slow down the pace against us, kind of like the Kings did. I mean, really, if any of these teams that right? And and all these teams pretty much coming up, by the way, are going to play at more of a slower pace, except for Phoenix. Like, all those other teams are more of, like, half-court-ish type teams that, you know, they can slow it down. You know, uh, the Clippers can dump the ball to Paul George and Kawhi and, you know, choose some clock. Or, um, you know, the Lakers can obviously do that with LeBron, AD. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not really a big, huge fan of these games. going. If Kawhi, like we said, you know, misses the game, I could see them winning that. And I could certainly see them beating Phoenix. But um, I think that every team is going to have a really, really rough stretch. You know, I think that every team has those, and I don't think the Wizards have really had one of those yet. And, you know, um, so I think that maybe this will be one of the ones where they struggle and we start questioning everything, but then they'll come back home and, uh, you know, they'll build back some momentum. But, for yeah, I think I'm going to go with that one four. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I think I'm going to go with uh, with one and three here, so somewhere in the middle. I think – I think they can probably steal one in Phoenix, which will probably be a, a really high-scoring game. Um, yeah. And like you said, Domo, I think Ubre is probably just going to go ham that game. But I think they'll be able to steal that one. Uh, whether or not Oh, Kawhi... wait. Quick trivia time. Who do we think guards him most of the time? This is a good one. Do we say Troy Brown? Do we say Beal? What are we going for here? I would probably say Troy Brown. I think it's going to be Troy, yeah. Because, I mean, you got to have – you're going to have Beal on Booker. He's going to want that matchup. Um, so it's probably going to be Troy, but I think actually this this game might be a good uh, matchup for Isaiah Thomas because Rubio to me is not a guy that that is aggressive looking to score. One of the dumbest um, contracts. Yeah, so like I, I think this is a game where Isaiah can actually shouldn't hurt you as much defensively because Rubio he's not going to attack you. Um, so and then this is a team where I could see Isaiah going off against honestly. Like I don't. I don't yeah, see the Sun this this great defensive team that's going to stop you from scoring. Like I don't, I don't see where the stoppers are, and their bench, their bench unit is one of the worst in the league. So yeah, you know, yeah, revenge game against, against this one team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it looks like we're all kind of in the uh, zero to two range, but regardless, I think this is going to be a good learning experience for the team. Um, going out and playing some of the top teams in the West. Uh, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, Domo, before we head out, I do want to get your take on a couple of recent news that's happening around the NBA. Um, most recently, and Brennan, you can definitely chime in on this as well, um, Woj and Zach Lowe from ESPN reported that the NBA is considering some pretty significant changes. Um, more specifically, they're considering reseeding the four conference finalists um, implementing a postseason play-in for the 8 through 12 seeds, I believe, in the, each conference, and then potentially a 30-team in-season tournament as well. Uh, what do you guys think about this potential changes if these were to happen in the near future? Um, real quick, just let me say I haven't heard or seen anything about any of this, so anything I offer is going to be nonsense because I haven't read about it. So, Domo, were you able to, were you able to catch this report? Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw the report. I was actually um tweeting about it a couple of days ago before the report came out. Um I, I like the idea of they never said the the, the mid season tournament. I'm kinda iffy on that. I don't I don't see what 
Like for what? I believe I thought it was for just like a showcase. I don't. I didn't. If I my memory is correct, AU? I didn't, who cares? Yeah, plus that's what it was. Yeah, like I didn't. I, exactly. I didn't see it having any any playoff implications. It was just kind of like a mid season round all star break type of thing. Um, and then like as far as the 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 playoff season, I saw what they were talking about reseeding the the top two conference winner, the conference winners. So I guess yeah. if you make it to if you make it to the conference finals, then maybe the the team the fourth worst team plays the one, and then the two plays the three. Uh, I guess okay. that'll I guess that'll help as far as those people that say you know the two best teams are in the West. So then you wouldn't have to, you know, it wouldn't be the Lakers and Clippers playing each other in the conference finals, and that being you know instead of, and, and instead that would be your finals matchup. You know, so I, I I get that, um, but some of it is just like I don't know. I I, I would have to see it. I, I like the idea of shortening the season though, because I think the season is too long. Um, eighty two games is just too much. I think I was thinking maybe like um, if they shorten it to to like seventy two. I know that that lockout season when it was fifty six games, I thought that was perfect. I mean, guys was going at it that year, so. I don't know. I, 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 there's some good ideas. I like that they are open to change, but uh, I mean, I mean, these changes probably, probably what three, four years down the road. Oh yeah, happen. definitely. Yeah, I think the one that intrigues me the most here is the, and it's probably the most likely to happen out of all these is the postseason play-in, where you'd have the the eight, nine, ten, eleven seeds just play each other to see who gets the last spot in the in the playoffs for each conference. Yeah, that would be, that would be dope. Yeah, and if you think about like if that were to happen this year, I mean, you would assume the Wizards would be involved. It'd be pretty competitive, man, because a lot of this bottom of each of the conferences terrible talent, right? And sometimes it's the thing where like teams lose their playoff spots like in the last two weeks of the regular season. It's not like you know those right. seedings down at the um, you know the bottom of the playoff seedings are like you know that farther apart. Like sometimes, yeah, but most of the time it's all pretty competitive and it goes down to the wire. And we've seen several times now where, like, the last game um, for a couple teams, and it just so happens that they're matched up, but, like, that game is for a playoff spot or seeding or something. So Yeah, and yeah. It, it, most of the time it feels like the eighth seed, it's like, in each conference, it's like, is it, are they really that much better than the 9 yeah. and 11 yeah, seeds? Like, and then if you get lucky and you catch a team that's, that's already got their top seed locked up and they're resting a bunch of guys, you can get the advantage and get a win, whereas a team – that has the same record as you, they're going out against a team that's competing and they lose. So right. it, the tournament, the playing tournament, I definitely like that. That idea, that would, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully, we'll, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see what happens uh, with this stuff. Um, it's Like you said, Domo, it's probably a few years out anyways, but it's still pretty cool to think about it now. Um, and another mm-hmm. thing that recently happened in the NBA after a long, long absence, um, future Hall of Famer Carmelo Anthony is back in the league. He signed a contract with the Portland Trailblazers, and he immediately stepped in as a starter at the power forward spot for them. Um, yep. What are your guys' thoughts on Melo's return, and are you happy to see him back in uniform? You got it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's back. You know, I feel like he there is a place for him. I just don't think it's going to work with Portland. Um. I mean, I get it though, because they're desperate and they need something. Right. But but offense wasn't isn't why they're bottom five in the in the in the West right now. That's nope. not why. <laughs> you know that that to me would be like us signing Melo. Like that's not why. <laughs> you know, or like us signing Isaiah Thomas. Exactly. Like we're we're not starving for offense here. So, um, you know, they're probably gonna do like Houston did. They're gonna give it some ten game samples. And then he's probably gonna get he's probably gonna get released again. That's just my prediction. But I'm rooting for him because that's my guy. But I, I don't see that lasting. Yeah, I mean, again, I love guys who can go out there and get buckets. So Melo is definitely one of my favorite players watching. You know, um, growing up and even now. I mean, I still enjoy watching him. Like he's not the dynamic Melo that we all know, but I mean, he's still Melo. You know, you can still put him in the mid range, and he's still gonna be probably one of the best ones the best one at the team, you know, mid-range shooting and, you know, creating off the bounce and doing all that kind of stuff. 
I wanted us to sign him last year, and the guy I knew in the Wizards organization before he got mad so I started talking too much trash. So he was like, "Book, dude, I can't, you know." And I, and, I, and I was like, "Whatever, dude." But um, anyway, he told me that they were interested in signing Carl Anthony. Um, and I know that Quentin Mayo had said the same thing. So I thought, and then you know the thing on um, uh, which called Real GM or whatever came out and said that you know we were going to be one of the teams there that he was going to consider. So that would have been pretty interesting, and I think a pretty decent starting five. You know hindsight now giving how the season went like yeah you know probably not the best thing but man that would have been pretty entertaining on you know opening night to see john wall bradley beal otto porter you know mellow and dwight howard like that had been a pretty dope starting five so um but yeah, i mean i'm you know wishing mellow the best of luck and uh hope he can get on a playoff team somewhere i don't know if anyone's really going to want to do that and obviously those are the only type of teams i think he's going to want to play for but yeah wish him the best Man, imagine him on this Wizards team right now. If if him and Isaiah Thomas were on the floor at the same time, kill getting me. Put in, getting God. getting put in the pick and, the pick and roll on defense. That was Thomas just, Bryant too. Oh God, man, that Ugh. would be rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that pretty much sums everything up. Uh, we hit on a lot of points. Domo, thanks so much for coming on. Um, uh, no problem, man. Anything Anytime. you want to plug before uh, we head out? Your Twitter or anything? Uh, I got nothing, man. Just uh, my Twitter is is Damo underscore, and then it's Roman numeral nineteen eighty six. So it's L X X X B I. All right, cool. Yeah, thanks again for coming on, and uh, we should do this again sometime. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.